the time when wargamers played with chainmail and the rise of the wizards of the coast, there was an age of gamers. And unto this, Gygax, destined to bear the crown jewel of TSR upon a troubled brow, to show you all how to roll for initiative. Welcome to the Roll for Initiative podcast, issue number 68. I am DM Vince, sitting alone in the chair tonight. The other rest of the crew has off tonight. I'm sitting here with the creator of AD&D, no, not Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, Adventures of Dark and Deep, Joseph Block. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Great. I'm glad you can come on the show and explain a little bit about how you came about this game and why you're doing it. First of all, let's start with the title. Where did we get this title from? Well, I actually went through several different titles uh, until I settled on Adventures Dark and Deep. Um, it, it, it might strike some as being kind of a, uh, a smarmy little acronym that mm-hmm. echoes back to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, but I really think it captures a lot of what I'm trying to emphasize in the game itself because it does uh, obliquely make you know, bring, evoke images of dungeon crawling and, and the way the game was played back in the late 70s and early 80s, and that's really something I'm trying to recapture. Which is what we all love to play anyway, so yeah. Yeah. Okay, and the artwork uh, with the wizard holding the tome, that was from, uh, you got that as a public domain artwork? Yes, actually, that's a public domain. All the the covers on the um, playtest versions of the books are public domain by N.C. Wyeth, uh, who was a great artist back in the the early 1900s, Um, and he did a lot of magazine covers and things for adventure books and storybooks and things like that, and I had just, I was just sort of trolling the web looking for public domain artwork and I stumbled on a site with, with some of his stuff on it and I fell in love with it. So it's, it seemed very appropriate for what I was doing. Awesome. But it's going to be, uh, the plan is to replace that artwork with uh, commissioned art at some point. Right. And you're interviewing possible people while we speak. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay. So let's start off with, uh, what started this whole thing off for you to recreate the three books you're doing? Obviously, you can get them by going to adventuresofdarkanddeep.com, and right. then you pull them off RPG Now. Correct. Uh, you did have them on your site for a while, and I see you transitioned over RPG Now. Was there any reason behind that or bandwidth uh, Well, I had actually, um, we, uh, just this month, I started actually selling uh, a couple of things on RPG Now, and it's kind of just made sense to bundle everything together in one place. Mm. Uh, I, I've put out a uh, two uh, two optional player character classes, the Necromancer, which came out earlier this month, and the Witch, which actually went live today. Mm. Um, and there were a lot of tools on RPG Now that uh, you know lets you track things and so on and so forth, and you can send updates to people who've already downloaded. So it just made sense to, to kind of get everything together. Right, and you're publishing this under the open gaming license, correct? That is correct. Okay. So as we're looking down here, um, let's see what... Uh, you were going to explain to me, uh, I was about to ask, actually, how this all started exactly. It actually started with a, uh, a blog post on my Greyhawk Grognard blog uh, several years ago. I was uh, going through some Dragon magazines, and I, you know, something that caught my eye that I'd already always been interested in were uh, a series of articles that Gary Gygax had done in the early to mid-'80s uh, about his version of what second edition was going to look like, um, where he put forth, you know, we were going to have uh, mystics and jesters and mountebanks and, and, and that sort of thing. And what I did was I kind of 
collected all of the Dragon Magazine material, and I went through a lot of the Q&A um, uh, things with Gary Gygax on various message boards um, a- across the Internet. And I kind of gathered all, all the stuff that I could find easily together, and I put it in this big blog post, um, you know, thinking, okay, here's a nice little historical what-if that, you know, people might like to read and the the reaction on the blog was really so positive and and more than one person contacted me and said okay well when are you going to start doing this (laughs) yeah and that got me thinking and um at the time i was working on my big mega dungeon project the castle of the mad archmage so i didn't have a lot of time to work on you know on, on this but now that um castle of the mad archmage wrapped up and uh has actually gotten uh, picked up by a publisher, Black Blade, um, I found myself with a lot of time to devote to, to this sort of thing, and I remembered the reaction to that blog post and started working on the uh, on the outline, and here we are. Here we are, yeah. I noticed that when, uh, it's a standard pretty much uh, table of contents for the book, but some little things I noticed in here that were different, such as uh, you put the sub races in there that Gary had spoke about a bunch of times in here. Instead of having all in three different books, it's all one place. Uh, the different character classes and the sub character classes are there as well. You went with the standard alignment system and uh, the secondary skills are something that I, I've never seen. Obviously, because uh, I don't have castles and crusades, but you did say that Gary had wanted to do a skill based buy system using experience. Right. That actually uh, was something that they published at uh, Troll Lords under the Open Gaming License and uh, its Open Gaming content, right. um, where he, he did a, a system for Castles and Crusades where you uh, you, you bought skill levels uh, in, in various skills, and you bought them with experience points, and once you spent the experience points, you had lost them. And, and I... I, I struck on that as just being a really elegant way of, of handling skills because the, the dichotomy in, in first edition was always between um, you know, non-weapon proficiencies and you had separate non-weapon proficiency slots mm-hmm. and it was really clunky and it felt like a real add-on and it you know it never really gelled uh, with the rest of the system. But I think the way that um, the, the Castles and Crusades uh, supplement did it. I think that worked a lot, lot better, and um, I ended up taking that core concept and expanding it out. Uh, if you look carefully at a lot of those skills, mm-hmm. you'll find that they are um, related to the the way that non-player character hirelings work in the first edition DM's guide. Oh. Um, for example, armor making is you know the the armor making skill is based a lot on how ar- the armorer works in the DM's guide. So a lot of that stuff was able to I was able to transfer over and, and sages uh, got turned into, you know, a, a, a skill that you could buy the same way. So um, I, th- I think it really work- flows uh, a lot better than the old non-weapon proficiency and it, ge- it does allow you at mid levels, you know, when you're hitting around 6th to 8th level, that's when you can start really thinking about investing some experience points in these things, and it really gives you a chance to, um, you know, to give to, to give a little more definition to to a, a, a character that you've invested that amount of time in. Now, when you say expending experience points, you lose it. Do you lose the level if you go down past the level as well, or? That's correct. Oh, I, wow. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> no. Takes a long time to get to that level anyway, so exactly. And you know, nothing says that you have to wait till you're at that level. It's just that the the numbers kind of work 
that way uh, where you're spending 3,000 to 5,000 experience points. You really don't have that many to spare until you're hitting about 5th, 6th, 7th level. So it works out. Yeah, that's what, I was, that's what I was concerned about, if you lose a level or not. And there you do. So cool. I, I noticed you also added the social class system into here as well, which we didn't see much of in first edition until, uh, I believe, uh, Oriental Adventures on Earth Arcana really started going into that in detail. Yeah, and that actually uh, plugs into the same thing you mentioned earlier about the classes and the, and the sub-races and things like that. One of the chief objectives of of the project, of uh, of it, Adventure Stark and Deep is is that you don't need to have a milk crate full of books. Um, yes. And then you're flipping between, okay, is this rule in Unearthed Arcana? Is this monster in the Fiend Folio or Monster Manual 2? <laughs> you know, everything is, is reintegrated into just the three core rule books. And 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 actually doing it in that way, I've just noticed myself, just from an aesthetic point of view, it really tends to um, desegregate the, the unearthed arcana material because a lot of a lot of people complain about unearthed arcana they say it doesn't really fit well you know it feels kind of bolted on and well of course it does because it's a separate book and if you're you know if you're looking for the, uh, a spell and you say oh it's in unearthed arcana it's one of the new spells it's not a real <laughs> spell it's an additional one it kind of it's all, it's all, it's a subtle psychological point but yeah. when you see them all just integrated in the in the single rule book and there's no distinction between a spell that was originally in the player's Book and one that was in Unearthed Arcana, um, it, there, you really get that sense that it's it's a more cohesive whole, even though the material itself is the same. Just the psychological fact that it's all in one book, yes. and it's it, it's all alphabetical, and it's you know it's found one right after the other, and they're all consistent. That really makes a difference. Oh yeah, definitely. I also noticed that you put in, which I thought was pretty cool, was the differences in the uh, strength for the men and women. Yeah, I, I don't really know why. Uh, a, f- a few people really think that's a a a, a big deal. Yeah, I yeah, um, saw so you got a lot of flack over that on the forums. Some people asking why that was silly to do that. Whatever. I, and my answer is, I, I'm doing it because that's the way it was done. You know, this is I'm I'm not trying to change things to make them the way I want them to be. the The entire goal of Adventures Dark and Deep is not to say, oh, this is Joe Block's version of first edition. This is the, the, the goal of the project is to, is to get as close as I can to what Gary Gygax would have produced in 1986 or 1987 if he was allowed to keep uh, developing right. Dungeons & Dragons. And mm-hmm. that those gender differences, and they're minor. It's, it's not like you get these huge bonuses if you're a man and you don't if you're a woman. It's, it, there's a few little... Uh, 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 maximums that you have to deal with. It's it's really it, it's it's nothing. It's a none such. Um, yeah. But you know that's what that's how he had it, and and that's not something I felt comfortable changing just for the sake of changing it to meet current politically correct uh, attitudes. Right, and of course, there's always that rule zero of if you don't like it, don't use it. Well, exactly, and that's you know that, that goes for anything in here. Yeah, um, you know, if if people don't like the fact that I'm using uh, descending ar- armor class, and oh. if if you don't, you're just wrong on an objective level, and I will I will say that. Um, that's a joke. Um, <laughs> or if you don't like the fact that um, you know the, that we have a, a change in the way initiative works, or or if, if you don't like a particular spell, don't use it. You know, if you don't if you don't think jesters belong in a in a serious fantasy game, you don't allow them. You know, yeah. and that goes for every single word on every single page. 
right. in any game, but you know, especially for this. You're the guy. You're the guy running it. You picked up the book. You decide what can be used in the book and what can't be used. So exactly, and that's no different than the way we uh, played uh, first edition. Exactly. I mean, I've played first edition for years now, upon years, and there's things in here I don't like. I don't use them. I just ignore them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so tell us a little bit. You you briefly said how the initiative system changed. So we're moving on to combat a little bit here. Okay. So uh, tell me how the initiative system changed, first of all. Well, the initiative system is is changed in a couple of different ways. And one of the things that, that Gygax had said was that he wanted to streamline the combat. You know, he wanted to make it easier. And, uh, and I know that there are a lot of examples of people who've played in Gary's games at conventions. And they give pretty specific, you know, this is how he used to run combat. And I don't say that mine's a perfect reflection of that. But it's, it's, you know, it's the best that I can come up with. And basically, the way the initiative works is that you roll for it each round, and it's done individually by, by each character. So, you know, if there's four people playing, each of the four people will roll a d10 at the start of each round, and then you'll re-roll. So it's not like the party gets a two, and the orcs get a seven, and that's the way it is until the melee is over. It, it changes it up every round so that it gives a little more dynamic dynamic uh, flow to it. And what happens is the, the game master just start starts calling off numbers, starting at one and working his way up. So when you roll initiative, you're rolling a D10, you add your weapon speed, you subtract your dexterity, and that's your number. Right. So I start calling off one, two, three, and then somebody will raise their hand. I go on three. Okay, fine. Four, five, six. I go on a six. Seven, eight. Okay, this monster goes on an eight, and so on and so forth. And um, it, it really works well. It sounds kind of cumbersome when you read it, but when you actually see it in action, I find it I find it's quicker than first edition combat. It's I can tell you for a fact it's quicker than fourth edition combat. <laughs> yeah, well anything. Yeah, walking down the hallway is faster. <laughs> yeah. Um I've seen that in action. I actually play at the local con here in PA and there's a guy here uh that comes every once in a while was playing with Gary on his porch. And he, when we played first edition with him, he does exactly what you said, and I've seen it in action. It works pretty well. I mean, I wouldn't use it, but it works pretty well. Yeah, well, that rule zero again. Um, zero, yeah. And I, I like it because it it does change things up each round. You know, there's no guarantee that oh, I rolled I, I rolled a good number at the beginning of the combat, so I'm always you know I'm always going to be you know going first. It, 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 it's different each round, and it differs depending on what you're going to do. Because if you're trying to cast a spell, you add the casting time to your number. So if you cast, you know, a spell that has, that takes one segment, it's going to go off a lot quicker than a spell that takes eight segments. Mm-hmm. Now I don't see. Um, I'm doing a quick look over here again. I don't see the um, uh, the two hit adjustments that were in first edition. You you move those out as far as the armor class versus weapon. Uh, they're in an appendix, um, oh, okay. and the reason I did that is because he specifically said that that was something he did not want to include in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is one of the few rare instances where I love it so much that I just wanted <laughs> to put it into an appendix. And because it's an appendix, it's even more optional. So uh, even if I'm the only person in the world who ever looks at that appendix page, it, that it's there for me. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for that. And, uh, no, you don't have to apologize. That's what the appendix page is for, optional rules. Exactly. And you'll see the, that's also where the, uh, the assassin class ended up, because that's something he also specifically said he wanted to relegate to, the, uh, to an appendix. Uh, I think if he really had his druthers, he would have taken it out altogether, but um, people were so used to having it. Um, I think he calculated that he really couldn't get away with just 
jettisoning it uh, altogether, like like we did with uh, psionics. Huh. Yeah, I noticed that's not in here either. That's good. That's something he explicitly said. Psionics is right out, and uh, I uh, that's a decision I wholeheartedly agree with. I I've always felt that psionics is like playing uh, a Jedi in Star Wars and D and D. So. Yeah, there's a there, if you if you Google the uh, this the, he he told he tells a story in a couple of different places about how he was pressured to to come up with a psionics uh, system by some people who just kind of showed up on his front porch one day and regretted it ever since. So <laughs> it it kind of makes sense that that's one of the first things that gets the heave ho. Mm, good, good, good. Now uh, for hand to hand combat, you see you modified some of the grappling rules that was taken out of an Arthur Canna. Absolutely. Well, it's not actually not even uh, so much out of Unearthed Arcana as just made, uh, redone from whole cloth. The way that unarmed combat, gra- grappling, pummeling, and overbearing works in the game now is it, it flows seamlessly with regular combat, with melee combat. It's done exactly the same way. It's, it's, it, you roll a d20 for melee, you're going to roll a d20 for unarmed combat. Um, there's some different modifiers, um, but... Uh, on the whole, it just flows exactly like the regular combat does. The uh, the difference being that uh, damage done heals a little quicker yeah. than it than it does if you get hit by a sword. And um, it's I've, I've used it many times in my own game. I've, that's that's one thing that I've uh, made a very conscious effort of that needs to get hugely play tested out and it works great um and if i may say so because it you're, you're not having to all of a sudden shift gears and all, okay now i'm going to be rolling percentile dice mm-hmm. and i gotta what's your weight compared to mine and yeah. all these arcane little even the unearthed arcana system which purported to be an easier way of doing things uh is, is pretty impenetrable um, but the system that you that, that I use in uh, Adventures Dark and Deep really flows well, and that's something that you could, if you wanted to, you could just pluck that out, mm-hmm. pluck those those three or four pages out of uh, ADD and start using them in your first edition or second edition or Labyrinth Lord or Swords and Wizardry game, and mm-hmm. boom, it'll just work. I've I gotta say I've already been doing this that you how you have it written and not seeing your book before, you know, this year so. <laughs> I've been doing this ever for the longest time. Just roll d twenty. Why bother doing all those calculations? And I didn't have exactly. any, the minuses or pluses like you had. I mean, I just figured it out in my head. If someone was smaller, I just kind of gave them a little bit more of a bonus. Or exactly, and that's the, that. That's pretty much it. The the bonuses and the penalties are, you know, they're intuitive. You know, if if you're a small guy attacking a big guy, you're going to get a you're going to get a negative. If you're a big guy attacking a small guy, you're going to get a, a bonus. It. It, it's not rocket science. I, I, I honestly don't understand why um, why unar- unarmed combat never really flowed like that. I don't understand why they felt the need to have a completely different system for it. I, now, uh, tell us a little about your critical hits optional rule and your fumbles optional rule you have here. Uh, well, I wanted to include that. Uh, just because that's something that modern gamers expect to see, and um, Gygax himself was kind of contrary on the, on the question. And sometimes when you when he was asked, he would say he was against it. Sometimes he would say he was for it. Um, you know, you see it, it creeping in in some of his later works, and you, even though there's Dragon Magazine articles where he says it's the work of the devil. Um, so I wanted to put it in there at least as an optional rule, and I. I, I, I didn't go crazy, you know, this isn't arms law where, um, you know, spleens are going to get ripped out of people's 
bodies and <laughs> limbs get hacked off and you slip on the blood and impale your eyeball on your own dagger. You know, I didn't want to go crazy like that. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there, you know there's, there's some basic stuff. You double damage or mm-hmm. carry through damage or, um, you know, you get a, a, a negative to your next attack. That kind of thing uh, is, is in there. And, of course, you know, if, if a DM wants to go, you know, wants to, wants to pick up the old Iron Crown stuff and, and have those, those wonderful uh, critical hit things, more power to them. Hmm. I've always done the critical hits like this, mostly just to roll a 20 and then you roll again. Uh, let's see, what's this double on a 20? What's that here? If character rolls on a natural 20 while attacking, that attack will do double damage. Natural 20 means the number of 20 actually shows up on the die without any sort of modifiers. It's pretty standard. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's I, I, there's a there's a zillion ways of doing fumbles and critical hits out there. I wanted to take something that would introduce the concept and not be so out there that it would be kind of you know if a newcomer is looking at it saying what I don't get this. At least this this introduces the the thing. And there's two or three different versions that people can choose from if they want to. Right. I've always done uh, the whole critical hit symbols. You roll natural twenty. I have you roll again. And if you get a 19 or 20, you get to roll one more time. If you get a 20 on the third roll, and then you get an automatic kill. I kind of do one of those systems. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, that's like the, the, the follow-through damage almost, yeah. Uh, yeah. where you know if you, if, you, if you get the maximum damage, then you roll again. And if you get maximum again, you, you, you keep rolling until you, don't go, until you don't get your maximum anymore. So it's just one of the, one of the different options. Now, I'm looking at the saving throws here. Um, they look pretty standard. Nothing different right. about them. You did include, which is smart, saving throws for objects right after the saving throws, which is uh, usually never together. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's actually part of the whole design philosophy, and it goes yeah. back to you know bringing everything together back into three core rule books. A big part of this is reorganizing stuff. Things that were in the old player's handbook that really deserved to be in the in the DM's guide are now moved to the game master's toolkit. And things that were in the D, the DM's guide that players really needed to know are moved into the player's guide. Um, and you know and and the, the the old way that it was organized was kind of a, a a function of the way it was written because you know the 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 monster manual came out first and then the player's handbook came out first and then they were writing the dm's guide and it seems like the dm's guide got everything that they forgot to put in the first two books and you know right. that's that's yeah. fine you know there's you know for example in the in the old dm's guide there mm-hmm. was this section of of spell uh effects you know uh notes on spells and there's nothing in there that the players shouldn't already know. You know, they they deserve to know if uh, if a spell can be cast underwater or something like that, and you know all that kind of thing that got moved to the spell descriptions in my in, in ADD. Uh, the same thing with the saving throws. Uh, I think you're entirely right. You know, it's it's a thematic thing. Mm-hmm. There's no earthly reason that that players don't know. You know, uh, you know how resistant is cloth to acid. You know, there's no. It, 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 it makes no sense to keep that in as secret knowledge for the GM alone. So. <laughs> I noticed how you separated magical fire and normal fire. Mm-hmm. What was the thought behind that? I mean, that's actually uh, a carryover from the one uh, E. I didn't, I never differentiated between the two. I just use the same thing. Uh, like I said, I'm not by a book person. I kind of just go with the flow on most things. Well, you know, a lot of this is, is uh, it's a research project in a lot of ways, um, you know, as well as a practical application project. And I'm, I'm rediscovering a lot of things that were in first edition that I had forgotten over the years, you know, and it, it, it's in that way, it's, it's, it's kind of a neat um, uh, road of discovery for me, you know, to, to kind of 
pour through the the section the different sections one at a time line by line and you know and, and try to synthesize it and reorganize it and make it easier for people to comprehend yes oh and you put the secret of the treacherous harm with enchanted weapons in the player's book oh my god <laughs> yeah heavens now they'll now the secret's out how the are they how is the gm ever going to win you know? <laughs> oh no he'll never win that way no <laughs> uh so saving throws are the same so um has the magic system changed at all? I, I noticed that you, going back a little bit, you chose mage instead of magic user. Correct. Was that a Gary thing also? or? Uh, uh, no, that was more of an, an aesthetic choice. Um, I've always thought that magic user was a clunky uh, term, and originally it was it was used because, you know, hey, he uses magic, but in a game where you have a lot of different classes that use magic, Having one designated the magic user doesn't really make a lot of sense from, uh, you know, from a terminology standpoint. Mm-hmm. So you went with mage then. So that's cool. Yeah. And has the magic system changed at all, or is it the same type of setup? It's the same type of setup in general. Um, you know, it's 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 the Vancean type that uh, right. that some people love and others hate. Uh, that's not changed at all, and and I see no reason to do so. Um, obviously, the list of spells has expanded enormously um, because there are now a lot of spells for some of the new classes like mountebanks and jesters mm. and savants and mystics um, you know they all get uh, unique spells of their own in addition to using some that were used by other classes so the the spell lists are are greatly expanded um, the magic items themselves are a little bit rejiggered um, in that I've what what I've done is for 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 example, for magical weapons and armor, mm-hmm. um, it is possible to have any sort of weapon be – have almost any sort of magical property. So you could have, instead of just being a mace of disruption, nothing says that you can't have a sword of disruption or a frost brand spear or something like that. And there's tables that let you you know cook that up and, and the armor works the same way. Um, you know, you can have in, instead of just the sort of kind of odd, you know, why can't you have a plus four leather armor instead of a, you know, th- all the options are kind of in there in, and you can kind of mix and match to make whatever you think is appropriate for your game. I noticed in the Appendix D that you had included firearms as well, which we didn't see really in first edition that much, but some things were there. Right. Uh, you kind of went with this in appendix thing because what what were Gary's thoughts on firearms? I've never actually well, seen. He was kind of down on it. Um, he 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 didn't seem to be very pro firearm. But then I went back to the origins. I went back to chainmail, mm-hmm. and guess what? There's mm-hmm. firearms in there, which makes sense because it's a historical minis game. Yeah. But um, I I think that. Uh, the GMs should at least have the option, and the firearm, firearms information that I put in there is is rather skeletal. You know, it's it's not an, uh, you know, you could write an entire 256 page book on firearms in 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 D and D, and you know, this this is just a few pages of of some stats and things. Uh, I just wanted to be able to have. The, the skeleton in there to give the GMs the option if they wanted to pursue it and beef it up on their own. It, once again, it, it's kind of like saying, uh, you know, hey, don't forget, you could also do this too if you want to. Um, but I wanted to, you know, it was something that I wanted to include. You know, it's, it, in, in one sense, it is hearkening back to the original uh, chain mail. In another sense, you know, there's it, 
it, it is a current thing, and um, I don't think uh, Gygax ever said definitively in the context of his second edition whether or not firearms would be in there. So it's not like I'm directly contradicting a, a statement. So Okay. And if you had to sum up A, D, and D, or advanced, uh, advanced wow. <laughs> I'm going to get that confused, sorry. People Avengers, do all the time. Avengers I do Dark and Deep, would you say it's more first edition or more second edition, or is this just your own edition? It's, in, in terms of the mechanics, edition. Yeah, it's um, it, it owes a lot more to first edition than anything else. Um, and, of course, the legalities of the open gaming license prevent me from making any com- any statements of compatibility. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. But um, it looks back into that game that we played in the eighties. Exactly the, the the world's most popular role playing game, which is uh, fun that, to say. that's where it, that's where it takes most of its DNA. Um, you know, obviously there's there's some changes, um, oh, yeah. but mm-hmm. nothing that's uh, that's earth shattering. Nothing that uh, you know you couldn't recognize if you were if you were playing or watching a game. Now, some of the spells, obviously, in first edition were named spells. How did you get around those? You just renamed them something you thought might be plausible to the spell? or Well, a lot of those um, got renamed in the OGL itself. So, oh, okay. uh, so, so a lot of that work was already done because, don't forget, because of the legalities of the license, the, the work that, uh, that Adventures Dark and Deep is based on is, in fact, the, um, the SRD. Right. That's true. You know, it, that that's that's where it has to come from legally, uh, and then what's in the SRD can be tweaked to you know kind of retcon it back to to a more first edition look and feel, and oh. you know and, and and so forth. But in terms of the specific name spells like Nistel's Magic Aura or Tensor's Floating Disc or something like that, that renaming process had already been done. Oh, so you could basically just find the spell in there and just take it the words there and just kind of twist it around for. Retroist, retroness. Well, yeah, you, you can't really, you know, you, you you can't use the actual text that they use, obviously, right. but the mechanics of how the spell works, yeah. Okay, and and monsters. Uh, what did you get around for using certain monsters that were weren't allowed to be used? Uh, well, those, uh, for instance, in, in, say the the beholder. Did you have your own uh, version of the beholder in there, or you just said I'm not going to bother with that? There, there is a creature in the uh, in the advance in the uh, adventures dark. Look, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Adventures dark and deep uh, bestiary that has a a striking similarity superficially to the first edition beholder. Uh, you you might find other creatures that have similar similarities, um, but in in doing so, you know that's that's kind of a tradition. You see the same thing done in Labyrinth Lord and Swords and Wizardry, and uh, you know, and Osric I think does the same thing for a few things, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, there's there's the legalities of the of the thing really force you to to jump through a, ho- a few hoops that one might not otherwise like to have done. But you know, there it is. You can't really do anything about it. And the only way to get around that is to drop the copyright and just say, "Hey, here's my fan book." Even well, even that you're not to get into a, a long well, discussion yeah. about copyright law, but um, you know, even if it's just a fan book that you're giving away for free, you can't violate people's copyright. Right, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. yeah so you know, there's, there's there's things that you have to do from a legal standpoint, and I've tried to do I, I've tried to comply uh, over and above uh, what 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 the license requires. I've tried I've tried to go by the letter and the spirit and you know I haven't gotten a, a cease and desist yet, so I don't think you will. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so you're on playtest version one point one right now. 
Uh, well, the different books are in different stages. Um, the Bestiary is still 1.0. The other two are in 1.1, and there's a 1.2. And I'm obviously I've got uh, the next versions, you know, in process on my hard drive. So as as, as it comes to a, a level where I think it's uh, there's enough new and, and updated stuff to warrant a new release, I just put it out there and I'll tell everybody on the forums. Um, you know, but it's a constant iterative process, and I'm getting tons of great feedback from people on the forums who are playing the game. I, I'm running a game of it myself, uh, you know, face-to-face. People I know are running it over um, Google+, and I know there's face-to-face games you know, all over the country. So I'm getting tons of great feedback, both uh, big scale and, you know, hey, you missed a comma here kind of stuff. So, well, that's um, good. That's good. You always need that help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we're going to see more artwork in the book, obviously, because right now it's just a play test, so artwork is not really your major concern. Right. That's where most of the blank spots come in, I would assume. Exactly. Um, and, you know, that's I, I'm just at the point where I, I have a good feel for what art I'm going to want mm-hmm. uh, in, in the different books, because at, at, the, at this point, the Game Master Toolkit and the, the, the Player's Manual are pretty much about as big as they're going to get um, in terms. You know, I'm not going to be adding major sections and, and things like, like that. The uh, the bestiary, there's it, uh, a, a large revision is is uh, is coming soon, um, which incorporates a lot of the creatures from the Fiend Folio and the Monster Manual too. Um, you know, but but at this point in the development process i've got a much better feel for how much art i'm going to want what sort of pieces i'm going to want and i'm just starting the process now of cataloging that and going out and trying to find some artists okay and what's the timeline for release is for a finished product you estimate um i would like it to be in 2012 but i will not be crying if it's 2013 Past that, I don't. I, I don't see it happening past 2013. I think 20, 2013 is is my is probably a good drop dead date. <laughs> if we're still alive, you mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, if the Mayan prophecy doesn't come true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, been an interesting talk with you here about Adventures Dark and Deep. I hope to see more of it as I'm looking through this book and probably going to download and bring it to the. Uh, uh, convention I'm going to in a couple of weeks to distribute to some of the uh, first edition players there. See what they have to think about it. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Um, you know, and everybody's welcome to uh, come over to adventuresdarkanddeep.com. dot mm-hmm. uh, You have full instructions there on how to, you know links on where to where to find the thing. There's a forum that you can sign up for to give feedback. And like I say, I'm uh, any feedback from anybody is always welcome. And you know it's it's really making a difference in the way the game is being put together. I'm I'm really taking all the feedback I'm getting to heart, and it's making substantive changes. And the more the merrier. Well, will we see uh, a quick start of this eventually when this product is done? You think? I have vague ideas of doing so. Yeah, mm-hmm. but at the moment, I'm more focused on getting the core right. rules in a in a solid format. But I I would not be surprised if I didn't uh, come up with a quick start at some point. I think a quick start would be an excellent thing for new players that have never played these old games like we have to just grab and pick up and go, oh, well, this is cool, and then play. Exactly. And I think a lot. some other games have done really good stuff with quick start uh, games, um, like Pathfinder. Uh, mm. they, they just came out with their, with their quick start 
uh, box set, and that is phenomenal. It is like a model for the rest of the gaming world to follow. The way they they just nailed everything that they needed to do for a new player. It's in there, and it's it looks beautiful. It's perfect, and that would be a model. I'd say for anybody. I think I think Paizo sold their soul. I have to say that because everything they're doing is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like the damn Yankees. It's the, yeah. not that they sold out. They they. <laughs> no, I don't think uh, uh, Paizo realized what Wizards' mistake was, and they went ha ha, and they snatched up three point five, and they just went took that ball and they rolled with it. I I could not agree with you more. I don't play Pathfinder or three point five myself, but just from a a. The relationship that the company has with their fan base it's is it's great. I mean, they you they, you can really tell that they're they're their own fans too. You know, they're 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 making stuff for themselves, and that's the way to to really do it. They yeah, they take the time to sit in their forums asking, "What do we think about this? Here's a play test of this. Would this work? How would you like to see this in a new book?" It's, I've never seen a company do that before. No, absolutely. In fact, the the what gave me the idea to do my open playtest was the fact that they did the, their open playtest for Pathfinder. Yeah, uh, that that's what inspired me to do it this way. So, and it's working out great. So, another another feather in their cap. And I'm not afraid to to praise them. I don't see them as competition. Oh no, no, they're a different. <laughs> they're a different thing, and they're doing their thing. So, well, hopefully one day we'll see this book printed on a shelf, maybe with you at a booth at Gen Con, sitting there. Uh, playing the game and telling people about the game and they'll be saying, wow, this just looks like Gary's game. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see that one day. Hopefully. AdventuresDarkAndDeep.com is the website. Joseph will be there to answer any question for you. You can sign up in the forums. Uh, just make a note that when you do sign up in the forums, follow the directions to get your account approved. Otherwise, you'll just sit there as a non-approved account. I noticed that because that's what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Until I emailed you. Yes, yeah, uh, the the spam bots are are in force, unfortunately. Uh, thank you for joining me, and I uh, appreciate it. And have a great day, Joe. Thanks, you too. Roll for initiative. <laughs>